All right. Anybody remember last week? Thank you. I don't know that you remember it, but you woo. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Trying to focus on two major steps that Jesus taught. Um, it's not, I, this is kind of what I have picked out. I've really been searching with what we're doing with food, with what Brandon just did this morning with Avery Trace. We're now looking to possibly feed a different group of people, really praying and seeking and having a lot of favor with the city, with uh, Upper Cumberland Development District and the Human Resource Agency, and now with the Board of Education. I want to encourage you to get on board with what we're doing with feeding people. But as people are going to be coming in here and hungry, that we get equipped to be able to share the gospel and that we have the gospel in us. It's first important that we have the word in us, that we have belief and that we can share that with someone. So that's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. And really, that's what I've done starting last week is trying to just get back to basics of where do we start? And I started looking at Jesus right before he left. What was his primary sermon? And uh, what did he say before he left? How, how did he charge us? You know, he said, I want you to go into all nations and make disciples and baptize them. Um, one of the big things that he said in the Great Commission. But what he said, we learned last week, was he said to wait for the promise. He told his disciples, I'm going to go, but I want you to wait. You people that have been following with me and that have served me and have been um, furthering the kingdom of God while Jesus walked the earth, he said, I want you to wait because there's a promise coming. And he sent them to the upper room. You know, Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2. And then I showed you two examples last week of people that had received Christ. They had been water baptized. It said that they believed and were disciples, but they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. The disciples sent other disciples to those groups to say, did you know about the Holy Spirit? No, we didn't even know there was one. And they laid hands on them so that they would receive this promise, receive the promise of the Father. This is after Jesus left. This is for us today to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that that may not be your teaching. In fact, if you grew up in some churches that wouldn't, you believe that uh, when you were saved, you received it all. And I'm not going to argue we get too divided too easily in church, and it's the weapon of the enemy to get divided. And I don't believe it's a heaven or hell issue. I had a great conversation this week with someone that just said, look, I'm not necessarily off target with you, but I do believe it this way. And I said, that's fine. Great. We don't have to break. I don't know necessarily that you're right or that you're wrong. I do want to share with what I believe, and let's see if we can grow. And I want to ask you, are you willing to grow? And maybe consider that you don't know everything. That's a big statement. Because even though we would all say, oh, no, 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 I don't know everything. Until you get asked or until you get pushed or until someone disagrees with you. And then you get your feet down solid and you won't move. Well, that's foolish. The person that won't grow, the person that won't be teachable, the word of God says is foolish. So what I said to this person and what I would say to you is, Read scripture, and if you've been taught differently, and you're like, I know I read it there that they didn't have the Holy Spirit, and they were believers, and they were water baptized, but they didn't have it, but they do now, but I just can't hardly believe it. I want to ask you, what does it risk to go ahead and do it the way that you read it? What do you risk by just saying, okay, I've never had hands laid on me and asked for the Holy Spirit. However, I think I have the Holy Spirit. Great. 
I'm not going to doubt you. It's not my job to judge your heart. That's the Lord's job. But what if it's right and you've missed it and you're missing an, an effective part of your life to be able to have breakthrough? What if you're missing the power to be able to overcome that addiction that you can't shake? What if you're missing the ability to be able to share the gospel and people be changed? What if, what if, what is the risk you take by just following, I don't care what translation you read, following the word? What do you risk? I don't think you risk anything. But what do you risk if you don't? I think you risk benefit. I think you risk blessing. So I'm going I'm to share something again today that's not going to be quite as controversial. I think we're all going to agree with this next one. However, I don't think we all do it. But I want you just to be able to go home this week and just pray, God, if I'm missing it, show me. I, I once went to Pastor Matt, my former pastor that was here, and I read about being baptized in spirit and fire. Well, I'd never really been baptized in fire. I didn't really know what that meant, but I'm out here walking around the church, reading the Bible, and I read it, and I thought, what do I have to risk? Scripture says it, Father, if I've not been baptized in fire and you want me to be, go ahead and do it. I don't know what it really what it means, but I don't have to have full understanding. You do. I trust you. Go ahead and do it. And as soon as I can get to Pastor Matt's office, I'll try to get him to explain what I did. So I did that, and I went into Pastor Matt, and he just said, I really believe that being baptized in spirit and fire are the same thing. But then I said to him, what if I'm right and you're wrong? What did I risk by doing it, by at least following God's word in a childlike fashion that I don't really understand, but I trust you, God? If you've got another thing for me, go ahead and give it to me. And if you want to give me further understanding, great, but I'm going to take your word, and I'm going to do it. Now, I'm making myself sound perfect. I'm not perfect. Y'all know me. But what do you risk? By trusting God and his word. And maybe you were taught a little bit different and you've missed something. I don't want you to miss it. And I don't want to miss it. I felt like I got a word from God Wednesday night about the, being filled with the spirit. How the disciples, uh, when Jesus died, took off, ran, got questioned. And Peter denied. He was prophesied that he would deny but then Peter received the Holy Spirit. And the disciples wound up, some of them wound up being tortured to death as martyrs. I don't believe they were equipped to handle what they were facing until they received that promise. I even look at Paul and his walk to Emmaus, and it didn't end there. He received Christ on that walk, but he said, that's not enough. You need to go to Ananias and let him lay hands on you and receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I don't want to get in a hurry, and I've, I've got a big message today. But you can't go through life without being filled with the Spirit. You can, but it's no life to go through. I believe the Lord would say, I want you to have my Spirit. I want you to have the power to overcome what you're facing. All right, that leads me to the next one. So if, I'm just going to ask a question, and it, it, this may backfire on me, but what did Jesus normally lead with when he was preaching? And I'm going to give you a little hint. John did the same thing. Repent. Everybody say repent. Now, Jesus taught a lot of things, but the one thing he focused on was repent. When John went to make a way for Christ to come, 
His message was repent. So let's dive into that, and I'm going to flood you with scriptures. So get ready. Mark chapter 1. Get out your apps, get out your phones, read this for yourself. I listen to audiobooks regularly. I've probably listened to three or four hundred audiobooks. And even though it's still good, I still kind of get it. I don't really get it like I do when I'm reading. There is something that happens when you read. So read it. I know I'm putting it on the screen, and you can read it there, but have it for you. It says, now John the Baptist was arrested and taken into custody. Jesus went to Galilee preaching the good news, the kingdom of God. Verse 15, saying, the appointed period of time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God. Let me back up. Did I just get in a hurry? I went from, I think we were talking about John the Baptist, but verse 14, let's go back. Jesus went to Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. This is Jesus preaching, right? Everybody say yes. Saying, the appointed period of time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Everybody say repent. And I love the Amplified because it's going to give us the definition. I'm not going to go into the definition of repentance because it's in the Amplified. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. What did Jesus preach? It's one word. You can remember this. Repent. Everybody say repent. Let's keep going. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, let me pray just for a second. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just ask that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish what it was set forth to do. Father God, you know I'm using a lot of the word today, and I just trust that you are with us. Your word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Holy Spirit, last week we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I just ask right now for those that would receive that I could just speak and you fill them with your Holy Spirit. Even though I'm not laying hands on them at this point, Lord, you know how to accomplish what it is that you want. And I just ask for an infilling of your spirit right here, just like at Pentecost, just like when Peter was preaching. Lord, your spirit just overcame us. Now teach us. Let us hear what it is that you're saying. Amen. All right. What did I just do? I just got our hearts ready to receive. Everybody with me? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart with remorse and anxiety. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far away, including Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40. And Peter solemnly testified and continued to, and to admonish and urge them with many more words, saying, Be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. 40, 41. So then those who accepted his message were baptized, and on that day about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. 
I want to encourage you. I believe that if we get the Holy Spirit right and we get the spirit of, the spirit of repentance right, God's going to increase his church. I believe the problem is inside the church, not outside the church. I think so many times we want to place it on the outside church that people just won't come, and that's a bunch of bull. God's word is still effective. His message is still good. He still desires all men to be brought to Christ, all men and women, all to come to him. But the the problem is, I believe it's within the church, and I believe that this is a key to us. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 30 Therefore, God overlooked and and, uh, disregarded the former ages of ignorance, but now he what? What? All together. One, two, three. All people everywhere to repent. That is to change their old way of thinking, to regret their past sins, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. Now, are, are we getting redundant yet? And we keep seeing the definition every time we see the word repent. I love that because we need the reinforcement. I can tell you that if I don't say your name over and over and over and over, I will not remember it. And I love you. And I want to remember your name badly. But if I don't say it over and over and over and over, I won't. God knows how we are, so he repeats himself. What has Peter preached? What has Jesus preached? What has John preached? Repent. What did he command? You guys are just not with me this morning. What did, what did he command? Okay, okay, there we go. Repentance, listen to me, is an act of your will. You can do it. Forgiveness is an act of your will. You can do it. You just choose not to. Repentance is an act of your will. And the Lord has given you a free will. You are free to act the way you want to act when it comes to your will. You can repent. Everybody say, I can repent. And repentance is not just an apology. How many of you know people that have said that they were sorry to you, but they continued their behavior? You want to see the worst side of me? Apologize to me and then not change. Because I'd rather just not have the apology. And I know that's harsh. I would rather you change your behavior than to apologize to me. The change of behavior shows that you care more about me than an apology that, doesn't, that you don't change. Now, is that an area that I really need to kind of be more gentle on? Yeah, I'm sure it is. But I think the Lord would rather have your heart than false words. Repentance is not an apology without change. Repentance is change. Acts chapter 20, verse, Acts chapter 26, verse 20. But I openly proclaimed, I hear y'all flipping in your books. I'll wait for you. I like that. Hey, young people, that's what a Bible sounds like. 
and they still sell them. I ran into a guy this week at the car wash, Will Roberts. I don't know if y'all know Will. He's a drummer and um, a, a recovering addict and um, is really a pioneer for addicts, um, for recovering addicts. And he's come across a new, um, it's like a 12, I can't remember what he called it, but it's a 12-step Bible that incorporates the 12 steps of AA into Scripture reading and is really having some great breakthrough. Um, maybe here in the near future we might could have a recovery meeting, even if it's just two or three people, whatever it is. But um, talking to him, I'm telling you, God's moving um, in a way that he is trying to find those that are broken. He's trying to get the church to, to get your focus off of stage stuff and get our focus onto hurting people. Stage stuff is fine. It's, it, the Lord said we'll never stop doing it. We're still supposed to get together. We're still supposed to worship together. But it's not our primary focus. Our primary fo- focus is to get filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in a, repentive, in a repentive way, and to share the gospel with the people that are hurting. To get out into the world. Okay. Did I even read this? I openly proclaimed first to those at Damascus, then at Jerusalem, and throughout the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent change of the inner self, their old way of thinking, and turn to God. The end of that, doing deeds. This is a big deal right here. Doing deeds and living lives which are consistent with repentance. That means that your there should be an expression. There should be an outward action that takes place. When I truly believe something, My actions prove it. I know I get on y'all's nerves, but I'm going to share again. I'm a big believer in two two processes, two worldly processes out here. One is Dave Ramsey, and and two is Weight Watchers. They work consistently. When I apply Dave Ramsey's teaching to my finances, no miracle shows up and more cash starts coming in. But more cash is at the end. And I'm not, everybody thinks if you do Dave Ramsey, you have to give up your fun lifestyle. It's not true. You just get in control. Instead of your money controlling you, you control your money. And with Weight Watchers, I'm just going to tell you, I just went through it again for two months and lost 14 pounds. It works. And my life didn't end. My enjoyment didn't, I didn't lose my joy. In fact, I gained my joy. What, did it take discipline? Did I have to stick to it? Did I have to give up certain things? Of course I did. I love milk duds. I love ice cream. I would sneak milk duds in the fridge. And I'd just go out to the fridge every now and then. Nobody would know what I was doing. And I'd eat about four at a time. Huh? It's out in the garage. Nobody knows where they are. My, some of my kids have found it. Ruth Ann found it. And she started getting into it. And I started having to hide my food. Anybody closet eaters? I'm a garage eater, Elizabeth said. Sounds like dumpster diving or something like that, but I'm not. It's in the garage. But even though you're hiding it, it finds a place. Even though I'm doing it in the dark, it shows up. Is that not is that not preachable? Consistent with repentance. 
If I go and cheat on Weight Watchers, I'm only cheating myself. I'm not cheating anybody else. I'm just cheating myself. If I cheat on Dave Ramsey, I wind up cheating my family. Consistent with repentance. We should be walking with a spirit of repentance. An atmosphere. A heart. I believe the key to you bearing fruit in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your ministry, is the spirit of repentance. Let me show that to you. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. I tell you, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, and live changed lives, you all will all likewise perish. 1 John 1, 8. Now, I believe that you all... I'm sorry. Okay. Let's do it again. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, change your old ways of thinking, and turn from your sinful ways and change lives, you will all likewise perish. Now, 1 John 1 8, I think you all know 1 John 1 9. Does everybody know that one? It goes something like this. Um, and I've got the wrong translation, so I can't repeat it from memory. If we confess our sins one to another, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Well, First John 1 John 1.8 says this. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. Now, I am trying very hard not to be judgmental, but for you to walk around here and think you have no sin... You need to rethink. Even as believers, we get dirty. Um, I have a habit of wearing pants more than one day. I have a habit of wearing sweatshirts several days. And what's funny is I start to recognize, ooh, I wonder if anybody would see that. But as hard as I try, and I'm a clean eater, I get dirty. As hard as I try to block my eyes from seeing things that might trigger something in my heart. Guys, we are living in the age that we cannot get away from images. And before we know it, we've opened an, an attachment and a spirit has, wanted, has sat at the door and wanted to come in. So this is not me trying to be harsh on you or telling you that you are, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. But this is saying right here, if we say we have no sin, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. I say this to you for you to consider, I need to have a repentive heart. It tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. We know that. I believe that when we walked the aisle and gave our hearts to Jesus, we dealt with that. I, am, I, I believe that I still sin, but I, I don't necessarily think that I'm the sinner that I was before I was saved. I'm changed. I'm different, but I still fall down and mess up. 
what is so good about God is God knows it and he offers us a way back. I want you to know that scripture shows us at some point, repentance won't be offered. Did y'all know that? (laughs) He did. Where is it? Let's look at Hebrews. I'm going to jump way ahead. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Liz, can you help me out? Hebrews, it's my last scripture, I think. Hebrew, here, I got it. Thank you. Now, this is New Testament talking about a story from the Old Testament. For you know later on when he, I believe that this was uh, Cain and Abel. This is Cain. For you know later on when he wanted to regain his title, his inheritance of the blessing. I don't believe that's Cain. Esau, Jacob and Esau. So if you remember, Esau sold sold his birthright for a pot of soup. And it said that he despised his birthright. But later on, he wanted it back. And when he wanted to regain the title of his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected for he found no opportunity for repentance. There was no way to repair what he had done. Church, I know that we all believe, and I believe God is a forgiving God. But there will come a time that this is not offered. I want you to know that time is not now. God is offering you repentance. I believe that we can get so hard-hearted and get so far away from God that repentance will never even come into our thought. Let me see if I can finish. I had one huge scripture to read, but I'm going to bypass it. Uh, Liz, just help me out. Proverbs 28, 13. And I'm just going to go through these last four very quickly. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Don't conceal. Do you want to prosper? Who wants to prosper? What do we need to do? Don't conceal our sin, but confess it. I love it when people give me stuff that I can go and apply right now to change my life. Well, let me rephrase that. Um, My life will prove whether I like that or not. I can say that. But will I do it? Acts 3.19. So repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret past sins and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Romans 2.5. But because of your callous stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are deliberately storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. When you choose to hold your sin and to not repent and to not turn from it. Now, again, you can say, I'm sorry for what I did, but then go back to living the way you were living. That's not repentance. 
We've repeated what repentance is. Changing your lifestyle. Going away from it and returning back to the Lord and to a different way of living. We learned this morning about the the scripture in Matthew 5 about if your arm is causing you to sin, cut it off. There's going to come a time where you need to end certain things and go in a different direction. We read this morning that it's not literally about self-mutilation. It's about removing the temptation. That's what repentance is. I have lived here and I can't hardly shake it. Okay, God, you said submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Well, today I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to repent of this. And whatever things that, and it talks again in, in, um, I can't remember which scripture it was, about running the race, about removing the things that are hindering us. I'm going to remove these things and I'm going to go this way. That's repentance. Then if I turn this way and I stumble and fall, Lord says, that's okay. I got you. You're trying and you just messed up. Don't, don't continue in your behavior. Change again. If it's drinking and you fall down and mess up and have one drink, okay, stop. Don't have two. Don't have 10. Stop and get away from it. Remove it. John 1 John, first John 1, 9, the next scripture that we read earlier. If we freely, freely admit that we have sin and confess our sins, he's faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and purpose. Uh, was that right? I want nine. It should be the very next to the last scripture. 1 John 1, 9. Can you see if you can bring it up? Hey, this is new living. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all wickedness. It doesn't say if you did this big of a sin, this doesn't count. You may be carrying a burden that you cannot get free of. I want you to know confession is your, is your freedom. You can conf- it talks about if we confess our sins one to another. You can confess it to someone, but if you're very sensitive and at this point you're not ready to do that, confess it to the Lord. He already knows it. And confession is to God. My confession is to God. My repentance is to God. You can be safe to know. Confess it to the Lord. Start there. At some point, you're probably going to share it. Maybe not today. Well, today is the first day of the month. We take communion um, at the first day of the month. And I wanted us to do things differently. Elizabeth says, why have you got these trash cans up here? And um, I'm going to hand it off to Justin. I'm going to pray for Justin as he comes. And uh, I just ask you to be open. Be willing. It says the willing and the obedient. What does it say? Eat the, meek of the, eat, the, eat the good of the land. The willing and obedient. So would you be willing? Father God, in Jesus' name, let a spirit of repentance fall on this place. Fall in my heart. Fall in our hearts. Father God, let this be real. And move supernaturally. Move in power, Holy Spirit. Amen.